Welcome to Unstructured Unlocked. A podcast where listeners discover how enterprise leaders are confidently automating document intake and accelerating their workflows to increase capacity and drive top-line revenue. I'm co-host Michelle Govea. And I'm co-host Chris Wells. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to another episode of Unstructured Unlocked. I'm Michelle Govea and I'm joined with co-host Chris Wells uh, for today's topic on intelligent intake. Uh, so Chris, this one, this one's kind of my fault. Um, I feel like we've been, <laughs> we've been talking about, uh, data and the value of data within the insurance yep. industry and how it influences, um, or impacts underwriting workflows and claims workflows. Um, and I think it probably warrants its own deep dive, uh, specifically yeah. submission intake on the underwriting side. Cause it's such, it's such a key workflow and key component of, of, uh, the insurance industry, right? That's, and yeah. a lot of times that's how consumers uh, first interface with insurance carriers is I need insurance. Uh, here's, here's all of my information. And so on the flip side, uh, thinking about uh, how insurance carriers take that information in, what they use yeah. it for, uh, the process at which that, that happens, I, I think is really interesting. And it is an area that uh, we spend a lot of time looking at. And I think yeah. that uh, you can, can chime in on some really interesting takes on the intelligent automation and RPA side. If you're try, I'll try. try. Uh, You know, I know just pretty much everything about intake and insurance, but maybe you could tell our audience uh, what what intake is and what and you know, that I'm sure there are layers of complexity here that you can help us unpack. Yeah, so I think the the first thing I would mention is it looks different. Um, it, there's not there's not one standard uh, submission process, right? Um, and it varies by product line. So you know your experience. I'll talk about it from the insurance carrier side, but even as a consumer, your experience if you're um, personally searching for insurance, looking to buy insurance, is going to differ from a small business trying to buy insurance, um, okay. as well as large corporations looking to buy insurance. Um, and, and those processes are all different. Um, on the personal line side, right, you've seen uh, in, in all the, the big the big names, you know, advertise um, this all the time. It's so easy to get a quote, right? Because you just go online, yeah. right? You, most right. people are buying their personal, their home and auto insurance online. Um, so that that's one form of intake where there's already a digital front end that the carriers have um, and all, all of that information uh, theoretically is feeding directly into a database of some sort where, where those fields are already mapped. Um, and you've can, got, I, can I ask yeah. one question there? My, my mental model of insurance is you have the end user, like the policyholder, and then you have like a broker between, and then you have the carriers. So mm-hmm. on the personal line side, are our brokerage is just gone now that we have these web portals? Uh, not not gone, but definitely disrupted, I would say, on, okay. on the personal line side. Um, now, now, that model, very much so, and, and this is this is my opinion, you'll, you'll have different schools of thought on this depending on, on who you talk to. There, there are some, there's some that believe that the small commercial insurance industry, so small business insurance, is going the way of personal lines where huh. um, you're going to have uh, that, that I go online and try to buy my business insurance. Um, and then you have uh, another group, um, myself included, that thinks that uh, for for small commercial or commercial insurance, um, it's more complex 
and the needs of a business will shift as the business grows and develops. And so you will need that, that, that special touch, that, that knowledge base from an agent or a broker that says, um, I, I understand your, your insurance needs and there's a lot out there and you may be underinsured or you might be, um, you know, missing, missing a few, uh, key policies. So, so, um, that actually gets to my second point. So thank you for teeing that up. Um, You're welcome. Uh, from a submission standpoint, um, insurance carriers are also getting their submissions from different sources. And so if you think of a care, an insurance carrier has partnerships with four or five or six brokers or, you know, numerous agencies, they're getting that information from those brokers and agents um, in different ways. If they've got an agent portal that those agencies have to sign into and then manually input information, um, if it could come in via email, it could come in depending on on how they're interacting on a monthly border row where it says th- these are all the policies that that I've bound for you, for your company this month. Like here they are, not put them into your system. Sorry, um, I have to ask, what's a border row? Uh, think of it as just like one long Excel list with all of the information about the policies that are written. So the name, uh, okay. address, policy number. Uh, you know, all, all of those, all of those data points, um, insurance coverage, et cetera. Um, and so that is how do you ingest Excel? So it's, and, and one could argue, well, in Excel, it's probably structured, right? You've got a column, you've got all the inputs, but if you've got, if you're okay, if you're working with 20 brokers, they might have all the same data points, but have it formatted differently or input it differently. And so then on the back end, any any type of like rules based or template automation yeah. breaks down, right? Yeah. Like it, yeah. tons of errors. Um, and then you've got, you know, I'll say middle market commercial insurance, which is usually your big corporation. You're you're trying to get one huge policy with a ton of different uh, coverages in one, right? Okay. Um, and that's that's very uh, email driven. Uh, Things locked in PDF and att- email attachments uh, yep. going going directly to these underwriters in their systems. So, um, so intake looks different for each carrier based on its what channel and what line of business those things are coming in through. Um, and there's um, even from just that kind of three minute overview, uh, probably a lot of pain points that you can isolate <laughs> uh, on what's happening yeah. at the insurance carrier level. Yeah. Yeah, my my experience talking to insurers about these challenges have highlight highlighted a handful of pain points, um, which were you know they were in there. I mean, one is everything, especially on the you know large commercial lines, like you pointed out, everything's super bespoke, right? And mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. you know, if you wanted to automate this process, right, that means you have to read the email and emails. Um, I've told people this email is like the most unstructured of all of the unstructured data, because you can say whatever you want. You don't have to stick to any kind of template. You can attach anything you want, including more emails to the email. Um, and those things may have attachments. It's this huge nested, crazy uh, data structure. But anyway, you have to read the email. You have to ask, figure out what someone's asking. You know, do they identify the coverages that they want? Do they reference documents? Are those documents referenced then attached? And you have to go find those things and you have to pull out, like it might be an accord form, right? So you have to pull out all of the infinite detail that's in like an accord 125. Um, mm-hmm. um, 
plus policies, plus, you know, say they've attached something like a loss runs history. Um, and you were talking about, you were talking about borderos being big tables. Um, we have a saying in Indico R&D that there's no such thing as a table because, you know, people do, they'll dump whatever data they want. And they'll put table one on top of it. It's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. The, you have like six levels of nesting here. This, this is not fair. You can't call this a table. So yeah. That that's one of the pain points is just the overwhelming amount of data and the need to be able to reference one data point like the email against the attachment that came in and tie all mm -hmm. of that together in a bundle. Um, and there's the there's that. the identification right of of the data that's sitting in that that unstructured or even I'll even call it semi structured um, yeah. input right, and then there's ingesting it in a way that's, um, yes. you try to automate it in a sense so that it's not just manual entry, which takes a ton of time. Uh, human error can can happen. Uh, so, and then how, how do you make it, I, I talked about this on the, the first time we chatted about making that information usable, right? So you've got the data, yeah. you, you've got it usable in the sense that, that you pulled it out, but now how do you use it to make business decisions? How do you take all this information yeah. and decide that you are going to underwrite this policy that you do want to bind this policy? Um, like how do you, how do you elevate that the data that's come in hits up against some, some processing exception that requires uh, a deeper look or a different workflow? Um, and just, just how, how do you, how do you make that process as efficient uh, and yep. accurate as possible. Um, and that's not even, now I'm just on a rant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, stay on the soapbox as long as you want. Yeah, yeah. That's not even getting into the, how do you take the, the data that's coming on the, during this process and validate that it's even correct, right? So what other third party exactly. information are you pulling in? What system does that happen in, right? Where are those checks and balances? What what are the, the I'll call it the pings that like alert someone that it needs a second look? And then how do you continue that workflow? Um, yeah, and that, that gets to one of the other pain points I was gonna mention, which is, and we use humans to solve all of these right now for the most part, which mm -hmm. is like, mm -hmm. you have to get the data. So you have a bot, right? And it finds, here's a word and that's the word you care about. But then you have to rationalize it like you're probably going to have to look up the creditworthiness of whoever you might be underwriting right and they might they may not use the corporate entity name that's in your database that then connects to like dun and bradstreet or whatever it is to figure that stuff mm -hmm. out so um it's not just like you don't just need a computer to read the information for you you have to you have to actually reason about it and connect the dots to your point um well and, that's a and you just well. touched that um this one is not not uh specific to, to intake per se but uh on that that data accuracy side one of the the biggest pain points on the commercial side is um like classifying a business right and depending oh, on how that that business is classified will will identify how big of a risk it is right so if you're like um i don't know uh you submit your NAICS code that you're a restaurant um, yeah. and there's, you know, there's, there's like four digit, five digit, six digit, and they all get very, very detailed. But so you're a restaurant and you don't identify that there's like, I don't know, liquor things or like a bar. Right. But that's probably okay. a different risk than if you're yep. just like a sandwich shop restaurant. Right. And so um, if that information is not made available to the underwriter, um, they're probably pricing that risk inaccurately. Yeah. Um, 
Interesting. Yeah, and they made the best decision they could given the data that they had, right? So that and that that's another pay point, right? Is just how do, how do I know when I've got everything, right? How do I know that the submission is complete? Um, yeah, and so exactly. I, I think, yeah, yeah okay. high level, the, the pain point is really just takes a lot of human gray matter to do this really well. Um, and so you end up with knock-on effects, which I, and again, not, a, not an expert in this. This is just from talking to folks where you, you can't quote all the business that's submitted to you because you just, you just don't have time. And you don't know if you're quoting the right business because it's just like, you know, there's this constant queue that's building up. Um, that's what I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this gets to the the whole the whole idea or the the. The happy place, right, the happy state yeah. is you get you get all this data in in a way that it's, it's complete. So you're not missing any information. You validated the accuracy of it in some kind of checks and balance that that happens in your system. Um, you hit it up against. So from an underwriting perspective, you've got all this information. You hit it up against some type of, of rules based underwriting. Yeah. Um, you know, box that says, yes, 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 it checks these boxes. This is a standard risk automatically under like quote and bind that, right? Like, like yeah. low touch, like high frequency, low touch work that you know, is just like super easy uh, to get through is, is where you want to get to. And then if there's something that hits up and is an exception to those underwriting rules or needs a different look, or maybe there's a request for higher policy limits or or something yeah. nuanced, then that's where going back to just the, the human capital, right? Is that's where people can spend their time. It's it's more um more valuable to spend their time on the stuff that that needs a, a, another look as opposed to just like, I don't want to, I don't want to use the term pushing paper, but essentially just like yeah, yeah, yeah. checking Digital the box paper. that like yeah. you've you reviewed it um and that it's that it's gone through. So um that that to me is like the end state of you know you hear a lot about like automation goals and and streamlining and making people more effective and more efficient and i think that's 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 an area where um intake can can really help yeah yeah the the other the other nice side effect of having that intake um maybe if that if yours you just described the dream state i'll describe nirvana which is yeah. um you capture all of that data on the decision-making, right? And we talked about this last time and you can cycle it back through. And now you have this long queue of things. Well, these five, these 10 in the row, I'm not going to quote. I just, we just don't quote that. It doesn't turn out well. So skip those altogether. And now not only have you streamlined the process individually, you've streamlined the whole queue and you're only quoting and as fast as possible, you're quoting and binding the stuff that you really want. Um, that all has to happen in the context of an existing tool chain. And I, I don't know a whole lot about what the types of software, the types of tools that folks are using. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Um, I can try. Okay. <laughs> because yeah. because um, like all my other answers uh, today, it's, it's nuanced and it, and it differs. Um, yeah. You know, you've got, you've got the, the core, the core systems, right? So that do, policy administration, claims handling, billing. So presumably you've got a, a number of carriers that have have upgraded their core systems where some of some of this is out of the box capability or it's been customized where it's just easy to to connect in and say like this field should plug into this field in my in my wow. system, right? And then it's it's in there automatically. Um you know th there's a lot of there there's a a huge push many years ago and that probably still exists um where a lot of 
carriers have built their own agency or broker yeah. portal. So, right. So if I'm an agent um, sitting at the Michelle Gauvet agency, like I have to log in to a carrier portal to, to quote business for them. Right. Um, and so in some cases I'm doing that for multiple carriers or sometimes there's, there's kind of a catch all, but um, like how, so how is that front end or how's that portal integrate to your policy administration system? It's probably a different connection um, with the same goal in mind, right? It's the same information you're trying to capture. Um, if it's personal lines, it's your website um, that should be linked behind the scenes. Um, Excel is probably still something that's getting used. Of course ton. it is. Um, of course it is. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, there's, there's all these other like, like software solutions and things to help with reporting. And, and th- to some extent, there may even be, you know, what, once something comes in the door, some type of, of report that gets run to assess like what's, what's in the queue. Um, okay. And then, and then organized by maybe skill set by underwriter type, um, you know, potentially like there's a lot of homegrown like workflow, like work management systems too. Um, I know that um, in, in my uh, time at, at carriers, there was just a lot of homegrown, um, like work management, like, uh, okay. or like assignment front ends that were built, um, stuff that you would do now with systems. like a, a sauna or Jira or some kind of tool like that. Yeah. 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 Um, so you've named like five or six different systems that all of this data has to pass through in, in some fashion. That's, that is complex. Yeah. And, and, you know, you've got some carriers that are only doing like, you know, only personal lines. Right. And so you would presumably there's, there's a pretty, it, it's, it looks the same internally, but for these multi-line carriers that are writing personal lines, commercial lines, you know, yeah. life insurance, that this is all it's different data into different systems. That's probably got different rules on, yeah. on how you store that data, how you can use that data for, for pricing and underwriting. Um, and even how long you can keep that data. Uh, so there's there's a lot there's a lot there, a lot there. But but it all starts with getting it in the door in a way that um, hopefully is not super manual. That's accurate and that can be can be pushed through um, in a in a in a in a usable usable format. Um, and I think what a big opportunity is. It, less so in the in the lines that are more um standard right more like like more commoditized even like these really niche like specialty insurance lines is where like your is really where an automated solution can be really helpful because you're collecting a lot more detailed or granular information right so if you like um like if you're like like pilot insurance, right? Like if you if okay. like pilot, like a personal plane, like that's a whole different, um, that's probably a very lengthy application yeah. um, with a lot of, you know, uh, critical, critical details on how Absolutely. to break that. But even, even on the personal line side, right? Like it can get complex probably if you're, if, if you're submitting a request for a primary home, a secondary home, yeah you know, maybe you want a, a, a boat in addition to like your, your vehicles. Like there's, there's some kind of, of umbrella you have to collect. for all of that. And yeah. But and I'm talking about from the system perspective, right? Like yeah, how yeah. do you, how do you then say, turn on to say, uh, they've answered this question this way. So now we need to open up this whole other subset of questions on the submission. And we need to make sure that it gets into the system 
uh, even if it's not standard. Yeah, I guess. All right. Well, this makes. I'm I'm, I'm 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 quickly getting outside my my expertise no, the, in, in the area, but really interesting information. It makes me think that if you're out there working in the data org at an insurance company, you should send a thank you email to your CDO for <laughs> worrying about all of these things at night. Um, you said a couple things in there which piqued my curiosity. One of them was that it might be that automation would help most in the specialty cases and i wanted to that's double my, click on my that. hypothesis yeah yeah that, that's interesting because normally um you know normally folks think of well let's automate like the bread and butter the simple stuff because it's so mm. high volume mm -hmm. but you're you're pointing out something else which these can be so complicated that it's worth having an automated double check on them um i think i think that's what you're telling me well, that, that, but it's because it's so complex and it's usually very manual. What, what incremental mm. um, benefits can come from automating the intake or doing the check so that the, the, the real time is spent analyzing the data that's in that submission yeah. as opposed to just getting the data in the door for that submission, if that, if that makes sense. Right. Gotcha. Um, because there, there's some of those specialty lines just are so complex that there are always going to need, that they're not going to be one, one of those risks that you do just pass through the system and say right. like it's table stakes. Um, so you may not, the, the automation isn't going to happen end to end on those, but to automate a piece of it to then spend the time where, where the true value of, of that underwriting function sits within that line, I think is, yeah, is an area that that is is right for for the benefits of intelligent automation. Yeah, that that raises a good point, which is that I think a lot of folks think about automation as I have this end to end process. It's not automated until the whole thing is just one smooth tube that it goes mm, through. Mm -hmm. Where, whereas in fact, you've pointed out that these insurance systems uh, across carriers, lines, the whole ecosystem, they're really a lot of different systems that talk to each other with sort of human hands moving stuff from one to the next. Um, and you can find benefits in automating intake along the way. It's not all or nothing. Like you can carve it up into relevant pieces and then streamline those and then go to the next lily pad and build something. Right. Yeah. And, and that, all that depends on what are the, what are the goals that, that the carrier or whoever the entity, right? It could, could be an MGA that's trying to do this. It could be a broker that's trying to automate um, some of their workflows internally yeah. too. It's, I don't want to say that it's just insurance carriers that, that are, are doing this. Um, yeah. Okay. You know, it, what are they trying? What, what is the goal that they're trying to meet? You know, what, what is, what are the metrics that, that they have today? What are they trying to get to? What's the ROI that like intelligent automation or intake can, can help them with? Um, and, and that'll vary. Right. And, um, some of it is that pie in the sky. I want, I want this completely automated. I, and some of it is, I just, I really need to get the data in the door in a way that doesn't take, you know, five different double checks and manual entry into the system and then yeah. you know um all of these 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 approvals and things like that that have to happen um yeah and i i've seen a range you, you raised the specter of roi um mm -hmm. and i've seen uh quite the range of approaches and behaviors uh out in the wild um across industries but you know insurance is very much the same uh, with regard to this. And I would say there's like a spectrum and on one end of the spectrum is, well, the automation has to be highly accurate 
And, uh, you know, if you can't show me 100% accuracy, then we're not going to do it. And I've said this many times on the podcast, that's dumb, uh, naive at best, <laughs> in the sense that, yeah, your process has to be 100% accurate. That's like, of course, table stakes, you can't make mistakes, we get it. Um, but uh, accuracy doesn't have units on it, like you can't directly convert it to dollars, like you could something like time, right? So more sophisticated organizations are looking at metrics that actually influence the business outcomes, right? So, you know, if you're in the, you know, if you're in the small business or the personal lines, like what happened to our quote to bind time when, when we, when we introduce this automation and uh, of course you're checking the accuracy, but now it's the accuracy of humans plus whatever automation and rules and it's RPA and it's AI, it's all of these things. Um, but sophisticated organizations that are talking that kind of language and they've done the homework about like, this is what moves the needle. And these are what we think are the gears behind that needle that we need to replace with new gears. Those are the organizations that I want to talk to because they're actually going to do something. Um, well, you can speak but, directly to a business outcome, right? What's yeah, business exactly. outcome? You were able to, yeah. So, um, which I think I said it the first time we chatted too. That's what, that's what, when you're looking to sell to insurance carriers, what is what is the business outcome that you're selling, right? Um, the technology is important, like I said, um, and and hearkening back to to when we when we first started chatting about this, like, um, you you have you have to have something. The technology is important, but yeah, like a rules based, you can sell a rules based template to somebody, but it's going to break the instant that, um, that something falls out outside of that, where the intelligent intake side, um, and you're by far the expert on this, not me, is I, I can identify that this information is here. It's not in the right place, but because I'm smart enough to know that I, I'm not breaking your process or I'm not, you know, putting a name where an address belongs or, um, something like that. So to get to your accuracy standpoint, right? Like that, that's the inaccuracy that, that eventually yeah. people not believe in the capabilities of, of automating some of these things. Um, yeah. So. And that, that that's a good point. I didn't even mention, which is like, there are different levels of inaccuracy, right? Like if you can, if you can still go through the whole process, then maybe that data element that you pulled out, it might be valuable somewhere else. It might just be a part of a legacy part of the process. Um, you know, you should really yeah. think about your process before you automate it. Um <laughs> very good point <laughs> yeah very good point. Uh, Autom- automating a broken prop like process is still yeah. going to re- result in you know broken outcome yeah they'll just it'll just break faster yeah <laughs> and then more repeatedly uh <laughs> you know last time we talked about this you know we were giving the advice to the insure tech entrepreneur out there but mm-hmm. this is also advice to like the insure tech salesperson if they're not speaking the right language um you're going to go through some pilot with this prospect. You're going to do, do some POC and you're both going to waste a lot of time and end up heartbroken. Um, so I, I think of this and look, not a salesperson. I've never sold anyone anything as far as I know. Um, but if if you're not on the same page, then this is this is not a pursuit for you. This should be part of your qualification process up front. Exactly. And, and that goes back to what I like, you, you could sell the technology, but if you're not actually sure what, yeah. what, what the goal is, um, then there's no, there, there's no incentive to, to say, well, I'm going to take a shot on this tech versus this tech. If, if they, if you don't really understand the, the desired outcome. Um, yeah. 
and and but uh, most importantly is as the buyer you have to know the desired outcome right is it to automate yeah. a piece of it is it to automate the whole thing um what what is that range of to to your point of accuracy right or or it might even not have to like i i'm going to counter what you said like 100% yeah, is important 100% accuracy should be what you aim for but if current accuracy is 50% Oh yeah. Automate to 75. That's an incremental, you know, progression to towards that 100 as the system gets smarter, then hopefully you get to that hundred. But, um, now now you're, now you're improve it. No, absolutely. Now, now you're, now you're, uh, implying that people actually know what the accuracy of their processes is. And I, I, uh, I don't see that a lot, honestly. Um, just a shame. (laughs) Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I just aired some dirty laundry, but I didn't use any names, so I think it's okay. Um, speaking of accuracy, and you know, you you actually mentioned it earlier, and I wanted to circle back to this because I was curious. Okay. Um, exception handling in the intake process, yeah. like what do what do we, what are the exceptions, and like what does that do to the process? Like, how does that tree branch? Um, any thoughts you had? I, I'm just curious. Yeah, so like from from my experience uh, working at uh, within the insurance industry yeah. and it was very it was specialty lines. It was, it was very, very specific. Like some, some of those exceptions could be, uh, and yeah, some of the exceptions could be like, you want higher policy limits than, than what is standard. Right. And so how does that change the underwriting? How does that change the pricing? Um, cause, cause you have like your st- standard underwriting box, right. Where things fit nicely. And then a lot of times if there's, um, maybe, so an exception could be, um, maybe, uh, they don't underwrite that particular industry code that your business falls into, right? Okay. And so, do do you kick it out? Is there, uh, do you just do you just decline that? Is there like a nuance to that where they might underwrite it, but they might price you higher because it's a little bit riskier, or huh. the policy is written a little bit differently? Um, like, what are uh, so so that's one example, right? Um, and I'm thinking commercial lines, specialty lines yeah, specifically yeah. on that. Um, like, like the, the big example, right. Is like, um, cannabis, right. Like there's a lot, like there's okay. a lot of like, uh, if, if you're a cannabis, like, like sell that, like a lot of insurance carriers won't, will underwrite that. Right. So yeah, that's yeah. an industry code. That's an exception to, to that, but you may not know that, um, like you'd have to get all the right data and the right NACS code in to understand that that's what that that business does. Um, so that that's one example. So how does that kick out? Um, and then like you could even from a personal line standpoint, just yeah. um, you know exceptions would. So what's interesting too is I wonder. This is not an area I'm an expert in, but I wonder yeah. if like if so you get you get in the submission intake right, and you identify that there's an error like it hits up against some third-party data set and you've identified that there's an, an inaccuracy on that submission, right? Like how oh, does yeah, that okay. kick out, right? Yeah, like, back to like so, the creditworthiness, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, you, you know, you said that, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting up with anyone is insurance fraud, none of that, like the actual just errors, like mistakes, like you forgot to yeah. add the plus sign on like, I have a second car, right? So it's like, is there like, what's the process when you've done validation and it says like they submitted their their application saying that they had a single car and yeah. now they've got two others to ensure. Uh, what's the process? They're like, uh, uh, you know, on 
on a digital front end, like it says, are you sure? Like, cause usually it's, it's hitting yeah. up against some database and it tells you what cards you have, but to the extent that you're doing it manually or, or not in that system, um, huh. there's some, some of that too, I'm sure. That's interesting. It, it also reminds me that one of the, one of the benefits you get from, um, digitizing these workflows is, you know, you've sort of, you sort of built a map of the process and some of it's done by humans and some of it's done by bots and some of it, you reach out to an external database, but exceptions are places where it like leaves the normal order. And if you've built yeah. the system or bought the right system, then you know how often that's ha happening. And I, I have to imagine out that out there that there are exceptions that aren't terribly exceptional. It's just, you know, we haven't built a process specifically for them. Um, that that's a great point actually and and what what are the exceptions that we don't know about yet right especially yeah. if you've got a new product that you're rolling out or you're rolling it out in a new geography or something where there's there's some nuance to uh you know what what questions you can ask on the application because going back to that yeah. highly regulated industry that's done you know district by by district um or state by yep. state but of 56 jurisdictions um that that differs. And so you, so internally, actually those systems need to be programmed with the, the regulatory landscape in mind. So, so yeah. what is the process if you're, you know, if you've issued, if you're writing cyber in California versus cyber in New York versus cyber in, you know, any of the other States uh, there, there could, there could be a different process that you internally have to, to account for. It's like filling me with crippling anxiety, <laughs> like the levels of complexity you've talked about, right? Like, you have your jurisdiction, mostly states, but not exactly states, mm -hmm. right? And then you have what line of business are you in? And then there are levels of nuance there in terms of what's possible, uh, what data has to be captured. Like, this is a lot. It's a lot. Um, it's 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 a lot. Again, back to it's a ton of data being captured. Um, and some of it is, is captured and kind of, I, I would imagine sits in a system somewhere untapped. Um, and so what, what are the insights that you can pull out of that if you were able to access it? Um, and so part of that is intelligent intake. You, you've got the workflow there, but you've also got to have the system in place to, to be able to take in all that data and then, Absolutely. And then push it, push it down the line. And that, that comes into whole other, you know, other systems and things that you have to, to account for to, to manage your reporting and uh, everything yeah. else. So, so giant, Massive problem space, uh, many systems, much complexity, uh, a lot to chew on. So we talked about it's wise to carve this up and not focus on building like the end to end necessarily from the beginning. What are in, in you know on this you travel in different circles than I do. So what are you mm -hmm. seeing in terms of what parts of the problem um, you know various different uh, parts of this ecosystem are trying to solve when it comes to intake. So, so there's, um, the, there's actually, we didn't even touch upon it because I talked a lot about the, the underwriting submission process, but there's, yeah. there's, how do you ingest even internal documents in, into systems, right? How do you, how do you keep a record of those? Um, so, you know, you're in the procurement process when you're, when you're looking to, to partner even with, with third parties, what, where do those documents go? How do you ingest that information? How do you track those yeah. invoices? How do you, which invoices, you know, is, um, they all differ, but they've got pretty much the same information in them. I understand that, uh, but but you've got that internally, right? You've got the billing system. So how do you how do you generate those documents? How do you uh, pull in all the right pull in all the right information from your existing systems to maybe automate 
the the creation of those documents and then to then push out to automatically distribute them, whether that's digitally, you know, electronically or by snail mail. Um, yeah. <laughs> it still happens. Facts. Um, yeah. Oh, facts. Yeah. Um, yep. In my time in insurance carriers, I did use the fax machine quite often. And that wasn't that long ago. <laughs> that wasn't that long ago. Um, but, but yeah, I think, um, you know, there's, it, it depends on uh, back to this digital transformation. Where are you in that journey? What, what yeah. systems that are you're using are ready to, and have the capability to, to connect with via API to, yes. or just, you know, front end a, a lot of these, these data inputs uh, to, to use them. And so you, you can you can do this at any stage within I'll call it the policy administration yeah. life cycle, but even within just like the day to day, what makes the carrier move, um, mm. you know, from from department to department or unit to unit. Um, there's there's a ton of opportunity, I think, uh, to, to automate. Uh, anything that's coming in, that's information that that should be captured. Yeah. Um, and we didn't even talk about it on the claim side, right? Like you, how, oh, how yeah. do you get data data in for the claim? How do you make sure it's the right data? How do you follow follow up? Um, and and that can get into like you know intake of of images and things like that from like you know a claims event. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a ton there as well. Um, but but um, that's not the topic I I forced you to talk about today. No, so we can it, say that for it, another it, one. <laughs> I, well, I want to foreshadow it a little bit with a naive question that I've had for a while now, which is I understand why personal lines would want to, you know, accelerate claims with automation because like better customer service and you want to keep mm. people from going to the other company. But like, I don't know, is why would a, a large like large commercial lines insurer want to accelerate claims that that's like how the money leaves. So I'm. Is it is it customer? Is it actually just the same customer service story? Is there something else that I'm missing in terms of why someone would want to do that? That is a very complex question. Um, okay. Well, yeah. we can we can um, table it for now. We have we have more episodes coming. I think that that a claims related uh, discussion would be that like that's that's not a two minute. Okay. Answer, All right. Like, yeah, Stay yeah. tuned for the next episode. <laughs> All right. Well, then, you know, I, we're coming up on the hour. Um, what didn't we talk about in this ecosystem? And, and you know, your your experiences on the the insure tech investment side, at least the last you know little part of your career. So mm -hmm. um, what haven't we covered there? Because that I mean, that's a that's a big and massively growing area. And I want to make sure we give it its justice before we wrap up for today. Spe specific to like intake? Or yeah. writing, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think I, I might have mentioned it, and it, it it goes hand in hand with what we talked about today. But what from from an underwriting standpoint, what we've seen a lot of is, um, I'll use that automation word again, but just um, supplementing uh, the submission with third party data mm. that one helps you underwrite faster because you don't have to ask all those questions up front right like you you're you're basically um validating as opposed to, to asking um and so we're seeing a lot of opportunities for uh for third-party data vendors that have combined the data in in unique 
uh, proprietary ways um, that can give you insights to uh, what's happening with your book of business, even um, validate that that what you're underwriting is accurate. So some of those NICS code um, solutions and as well. Um, I think uh, new and distinct data sources as well. So how do you okay. underwrite someone when um, you want to use something that that's not their credit score, right? So what what are the alternative huh. data sets that you can use to, you know, behavioral analytics is an area that that's growing as well. So how do you, how can you take okay. this information to understand how someone, uh, what kind of risk somebody is just by the way that um, so, some, some, some components that like, how, how are they on social media or, Oh, wow. um, like, you know, uh, in, uh, there's tons of data op- opportunities, even like with telematics, how does this person drive, right? Okay. Like what, yeah. what predictably, what, what can this tell me? Um, all of that goes into the consideration for, for underwriting. Um, but again, you have to have a basis of information to, to hit up those, those third party right. data sets up against to, to compare and contrast and then ultimately make, make the right underwriting decision. Um, or, or figure out what variables you use to price a risk, and then by default pass those on to the states and get them approved by the regulators to be able to to use that in your in your pricing. So um, even the components of the pricing model have to be approved by the state regulators. I did not know this. Yeah, and so, um, so the regulators are are I'm I'm oversimplifying this, but, okay. but are there to protect the the consumer, right? Like they don't want the you know insurance carriers can't just use whatever they want to underwrite you because they yeah. there could be bias in those models. Uh, there could be bias against, you know, certain demographics if, if you do that. Yeah. Um, and so it, it, it is an art form. This is also something we could probably dive into of just what are the variables that you use in your pricing model? How do you weigh those variables? Then are they approved by the regulators? Um, and then there's a whole art to how you submit that, right? Like you don't want to give away your secret sauce that yeah. everyone can, 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 figure out how you price risk, but, um, there is some, some, it can't just be a black box. Like there has to be some level of transparency there. Um, some interesting information, theoretic topics there, which I think, uh, I think marketing will definitely approve the claims, uh, episode. I'm not sure they'll go for that, but I'm interested. I want to learn more. Um, well, this has been extremely informative and, uh, you've been listening to another episode of unstructured unlocked my co-host for today. And, as long as she'll keep coming back is Michelle Govea. <laughs> and uh, stay tuned for another episode coming to you where we'll talk about all things claims. Take care. Bye, everyone. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Unstructured Unlocked. You can find all of our episodes wherever you listen to podcasts today. Spotify, Apple, everywhere. Be sure to follow at Indico Data on Twitter and YouTube. Have a good day, Automator.